my name is Autumn Dixon and this week is April 10th through the 16th and one of the stories that we're going to be talking about or the only story that we're going to be talking about for this specific video is the quite well-known story of when the father asks Christ for help with his unbelief. So we have a father who has brought a very ill son who thrashes around and has all these issues to be healed by Christ. At that point in time, only the disciples are available, and the disciples are not able to cast out this bad spirit from the son. Well, Christ finally comes around the corner, and he's brought up to speed about what's going on, and he turns to the father and he says, anything is possible if you simply believe. And this is the very famous response. This is Mark chapter 9. And it's, it's verse 24. It says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Now, Christ does help. The son is healed. And I feel like we are often, when we talk about the story, we talk about the fact that it's so beautiful that the father was able to ask for help with his unbelief. And it's true. It's so awesome <laughs> that we don't even have to completely do the believing part on our own. We can ask for help with that. But I feel like there are other aspects to this story that we can unpack. This story is more than just healing a boy. There is so much here, but I, I want to talk about one aspect. Now, what I want to, the direction that I want to go with this for a little bit we, they're not necessarily facts, if that makes sense. I have looked at the story and I wondered about how the father felt at different points in this story. And so I can't say for sure how he was feeling because it doesn't say how he was feeling or how things exactly laid out, right? But I don't think there's anything wrong with asking these questions, even if we don't necessarily have the exact answers, because even if we don't have the exact answers about the specific stories, we can still find principles and truthful principles of based off of these questions that we ask about the story. So let me give you the example. So I wonder how the father felt when he first heard that Christ was coming to their city, to their area. I wonder if he started out full of faith and full of hope. He had heard the rumors about this Jesus who was healing people about a lady who had just touched his clothes and she was completely healed. I wonder if he had heard all of these things and he was like, it's our turn. He's come to us. And he leaves work early and he runs home to grab his son. He relieves his wife, who's probably exhausted, taking care of his son because his son is has a lot of needs. And he grabs his son and he runs to find Jesus, so that Jesus can heal his son. I wonder if he had felt immensely full of hope at that point. Doubt had not yet been introduced to this father, at least in relation to the, this specific principle, this specific story. When he arrives to the place where this story takes place, Christ is not there yet. The disciples are. And we don't know why the disciples started to try and heal the boy. Maybe they had performed healings before. 
But either way, the disciples try to heal this boy. And I wonder how many times they tried to heal this boy. Did they try once and it didn't work and they kind of gave up? Did they keep trying? With each time that they tried, did the father feel this growing sense of dread and this crushing disappointment? Doubt had been introduced. Now, this story, like I said before, is not just about healing a boy. In my mind, it is also a story about one of the most essential aspects of mortal life, which is opposition to faith. Did this father begin to wonder whether Christ's power was real or whether it had been exaggerated in the stories that he had heard? Or did he start to wonder whether Christ's power just didn't extend to him, whether his case was too severe and Christ wasn't, Christ's power just wasn't that big. It didn't quite reach this father and what was going on in his family. Sometimes I wonder if we give doubt too much power in our lives. When we first run into things that don't necessarily fit into what we have previously believed, it can be a little frightening. <laughs> it can be a little scary to wonder if everything you've believed is a lie, right? That is frightening. However, when we, if we can look past that fear, which is from Satan, if we can push the fear away and look at the doubt, and we can combine that doubt with proper actions, that doubt can turn into an opportunity to strengthen our faith. Now, that seems extremely simplistic, right? And that is, it's very simplistic version of this complicated world that we live in. When we're faced with doubt, I wonder if sometimes we have felt like this father, right? Let's say it was quite a bit of time before Christ actually showed up and the disciples had been trying to heal the son for a long time and they kind of had given up a little bit because they couldn't do it. Why should the father choose to stay if there wasn't a result? Like, why would he choose to do that? Why would he continue on the same path of trying to get his son healed by these people who claim to have power? Why would he continue down that path if there was no assurance that it was legitimate, right? Why would he choose to stay? He had heard about this power of Christ. Where was it? We have been told that there are specific blessings associated with being a part of the church. Perhaps you have run into experiences in your life where you have wondered whether all of those blessings and all the things that were supposed to be associated with the church we're all just smoke and mirrors. Why should we be expected to have faith when our feelings are so conflicting, when doubt has been introduced and things weren't as we once thought they were? Now, these are really big questions. They're very important questions. And I feel like in order to help understand the place of faith and doubt in our lives, we need to talk a little bit about 
the theology surrounding faith and doubt. Now, we live in a fallen world, and the concept of a fallen world to me is absolutely fascinating, <laughs> especially when we look at how the fallen world came about. So the Lord cannot create anything less than perfect. He is perfect, right? And so when he chose to create the world, because he knew that imperfection needed to be part of the world, he couldn't put it there. <laughs> so he created innocence, right? It was Adam and Eve that had to bring the imperfection into the world. They had to choose to separate themselves from perfection, from God. They had to choose to leave innocence. Now, as part of this fallen world, there's, we often talk about it in the context of pain and trials. We needed to experience pain and heartache and trials in order to grow, right? They were absolutely essential so that we could completely fulfill the entire goal of the plan of salvation, which was to grow. We needed this opposition. Pain and heartache and trials, they are necessary ingredients themselves, or they are unfortunate byproducts of a different essential ingredient, which is agency. And doubt is another one on that list, right? So we have pain, trials, heartache, doubt. Doubt was also an essential ingredient, right? God didn't introduce doubt, but it was still a necessary ingredient for us to be able to grow. Now, faith cannot get stronger without opposition, right? In fact, you can't even choose, you can't really choose faith if doubt is not an option. I want you to picture a world without doubt. <laughs> it's actually a scary place, right? If we all just chose to believe exactly what we had put in and we followed the same direction forever, and we never looked back to wonder whether we're on the right path or we never thought to ask God if it was the right path. That's scary because <laughs> I've had a lot of misconceptions about the gospel. And if I never wondered whether I was right, I never would have drawn closer to the truth, right? Doubt can feel very difficult sometimes, but it was necessary. The doubt that arose in his father was a gift. It was an opportunity for his faith to grow stronger should he choose to stick around. Now, Lawrence E. Corbridge, General Authority, he gave a speech at BYU in which he talked about the fact that the Lord has never encouraged us to doubt, right? That has never been a thing. <laughs> we can have questions. <coughs> Excuse me. We can have questions, but the Lord actually commands us to doubt not. Now, when we are first introduced to doubt and the temptation to doubt comes, take the questions that come from that doubt and leave the doubt aside. Now, another important question that I want to explore. Why? Why should we choose to leave the doubt alone? Right? What is the logical reason that we should choose to leave doubt. Maybe doubt is an essential plan of the plan, or maybe doubt is essential, is an essential ingredient to the plan of salvation, but that's still just a maybe, right? We don't necessarily know that that's true. That's something that I'm teaching. But 
why, what is a valid reason for why we should choose to examine and to feed our faith over feeding our doubts? Why should the father choose to stick around if his son isn't being healed by the disciples? Because the faith is a choice. When a, a bunch of con when a bunch of coincidences line up perfectly and everything works out, it is a choice to believe that it was the hand of God. Or when bad things happen, it is a choice to believe that God is right there and with you and that he loves you and he's standing beside you. That is a choice. It is a choice to have faith or to have doubt. It is the nature of faith and doubt that whatever you feed lives. Okay? If you feed doubt, you will find more doubt. It will live. It will grow if you feed it. Faith is a little bit harder to keep alive, <laughs> but feeding it helps. But it still goes back to that same question. Why should I choose to feed my faith over feeding my doubt? Right? What's the logical answer there? Now, there is no logical answer because such is the nature of faith, right? Faith is about believing in something you can't really see. It's about choosing to believe. And this can be extremely frustrating because when we look at the world around us, we see so many spiritual casualties of this gospel principle, right? Of people wondering, why should I choose faith? Why shouldn't I choose doubt, right? Why shouldn't I choose to believe that it's not true? Why? Now, there was no other way for the plan of salvation to happen without faith. Faith was absolutely essential. It can be a difficult gospel principle, but it was essential. And I can't tell you why you should choose faith, but I can tell you why I have chosen faith in my life. If I am being completely honest, just 100% transparency here, as I was growing up, sometimes my, lesson, my reasons for choosing fear were less than completely pure, right? Sometimes it was because I was simply naive. <laughs> I hadn't really had doubt introduced. I grew up in a very safe home where the gospel was taught. I didn't run into a million questions about where my family fit into the gospel, right? Sometimes I chose faith simply because of being naive. Sometimes I chose faith because I was too scared to look at doubt, and so I would kind of push the doubts away because I was a little too scared about it. And then sometimes I chose faith because I felt like I received those signposts that I had been looking for. Sometimes I chose faith because... I felt a peaceful feeling at the temple, or I felt a peaceful feeling at church, or I felt a peaceful feeling when I read my scriptures or prayed, etc., etc., right? It was all a mixture. Now, as I have grown older, and as I have spent time living the gospel and reading the scriptures and praying as sincerely as I can, my reasons for choosing faith have become extremely simple. And that is because I speak to God and he speaks back to me regularly. It can be easy to explain away a peaceful 
feeling. A lot of people in the world do it, right? Oh, you just feel good because it's associated with good memories from when you were growing up. Oh, like you feel good when you go to church. Well, you had really good memories in church and it's nostalgia and it's happy hormones and oxytocin and all this stuff, right? It can be easy to explain away these feelings. But when I write in my journal, because when I write in my journal, I'm usually kind of writing to God, like I'm writing my purse. When I'm writing my journal and talking to my Heavenly Father about things that are going on in my life, I feel Him guiding me as I write. I find new perspectives that I had never seen before. I find solutions to problems. I... I see problems in myself that I need to change in order to change problems. As I've read the scriptures, I have found things in the scriptures that I've never seen before that I know that I didn't find on my own. I can feel when I'm not being led by the Spirit, when everything is just a blank wall and I'm not hearing or learning anything. And it is an immensely different experience than when I'm reading the scriptures and I feel like the Lord is guiding my study. I don't have all the answers as to why you should choose faith. I don't have all the answers as to why certain things occur in the world, as to why there are such disparities in situations of mankind. But I do speak to my Heavenly Father, and I do feel Him speak back. And perhaps that seems trite, coming from somebody who really has been immensely blessed. But I still can't deny it. I feel it. I see it in my life on a mostly daily basis. And... I can promise you that if you continue on the path of faith, if you choose to feed your faith instead of feeding doubt, if you choose to turn off the social media, right? There's no logical answer why you should do that. But if you choose to turn off that social media and you choose faith, I can promise you that there will come a day when it won't be about choosing faith anymore. Instead, it will be about whether you choose to deny the truth that has been laid completely in front of you. If you choose to stick around, even when the blessings you expected aren't coming, I promise that Christ comes around that corner with the happy ending that you were originally seeking. You have felt those little signposts before, right? And the world would choose to explain those away. But you have felt calm before. You have felt peace before. You have felt good feelings from the Spirit that have told you that the path that you're on it's just a little sign that said, you're on the right one. You're on the right path. Maybe you haven't seen a signpost for a really long time. 
But if it was the right path before, why would it be wrong now? I believe in the atonement of Jesus Christ. I believe that it can heal. I believe that Jesus Christ can heal all of the messy, difficult, necessary aspects of mortal life. I believe in a savior who is a perfect judge. I know that faith has made my life better because it's changed me to be better. And I know that faith, should we choose to feed it, eventually becomes knowledge. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.